What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Testing one, two, three. Hello. Water. 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 We're recording now. Oh. <laughs> he never said, tells us when I'll be having a whole dumb conversation. He'll be like, oh, we're recording, by the way. Josh will be over there just fidgeting with something, and, and he has no idea that I just pushed the record button. Sneaky, sneaky. I know. <laughs> I'm always on the prowl. This is really weird. <laughs> I know. Well, for you listening out there, this is the first time that Wendy and I have really ever done a conversational piece together in person. And we're here with Wendy. She works with me on the Foul Play podcast. Well, welcome, Wendy. Yeah. Thank you. And for those of you who are listening, we will push this out onto Foul Play as well. Wendy has been helping me on foul play for a while now, helping with the writing. And you would have, of course, heard her on the map series and on the series about her aunt being murdered. But Wendy and I met at CrimeCon in Nashville. What year was that? 2018? 2017 20? or 2018? Pre-COVID. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Before COVID. <laughs> yeah, it was a long time ago. So Wendy was one of the attendees there, and that's where we first met, and we became friends, and now she helps with the podcast, and we work together on Foul Play. So come to CrimeCon, and one day you might be. <laughs> <laughs> and one day you might work on the podcast with Shane. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> and Wendy is now the first guest on Mystery, Inc. Welcome, Wendy. We, I know. <laughs> we, will call you, we will call you our Velma. Oh, Yes. Well, she's redheaded. I'll buy the outfit. There you go. There we go. No, don't, you're our Daphne. <laughs> Get you the go-go boots. Yeah. You can yeah. borrow mine. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, Wendy is here. You probably have heard her accent. She is coming to us from England. Wendy, what part of England are you from? I'm from southern England. I currently live in Suffolk. 
Suffolk, England. Suffolk, but originally from Hampshire. Mm. Beautiful accent, isn't it? <laughs> Breathtaking. Yes. Whenever Wendy ends up calling me, for some reason, I always have a British accent. <laughs> I don't know why. I it's, mean, you say it's British. Well, <laughs> She's rude. like, no, you don't. <laughs> you, you never once. <laughs> Josh, Wendy, and I just returned from Myrtle Beach, where there was a podcaster meetup. That was a fun time. Unbeknownst to us, there was a World Strongest Man competition sign up mm-hmm. happening at the hotel. Oh, it was it was marvelous. Yes, Josh was in heat, <laughs> waiting around the weight room and the pool the entire time. Scratching up against the walls. <laughs> <laughs> there were a lot of really big men. There are, but I noticed that a lot of muscle men are kind of short. I noticed that too. Some of them, from a distance, they looked really big because they had huge arms. And then as they started walking closer, you just started realizing like kind of how short they are, (laughs) which is like, maybe it's just because of how big their arms are. And so like, it just gives this presence that they are a really huge person. Yes, I learned two things. One, they do not like to be patted on the top of the head. And two, (laughs) I can run pretty darn fast. (laughs) And I think they look tall because you're both so tall. Right. Whereas I'm very short. (laughs) You're like, they're giant to me. (laughs) Right, right. Yes, there was a lot of happenings going on in Myrtle Beach, that's for sure. There's a lot of muscle going on in Myrtle Beach. Yes. I did not hate it. <laughs> Better than the beach. Yes, it was It was a grand old time, shall we say? A grand old a time. A grand old time. <laughs> Wendy has shared with us that instead of dollar stores in the UK, there are pound lands. Poundlands. Yes, pound lands. And I shared with Wendy about how many American males have probably been so confused when they walked in there with their single bills. <laughs> with their single pounds. Yeah. Walked out very depressed. Very disappointed. <laughs> very, <I'm> disappointed. <laughs> very disappointed and empty handed, I'm sure. Well, Shane's going to be going to visit there. So I told him to bring me yeah. back something from there. Something told him a bag. Time. Yes. With a raven claw memorabilia in it (laughs) yeah wendy's gonna take me to the harry potter studios i'm super excited i'm gonna end up with a big wand and a bunch of goodies and a hagrid outfit yes Yes. please please she wants us to to wear outfits to the studio and i'll probably end up as hagrid get him the mangiest beard you can find (laughs) i'm gonna be on a mission Good. (laughs) The next six weeks, that's what my plan will be. And just from the short few days I've known Wendy, if she puts herself on a mission, it's going to get done. Right. Yeah, we won't be going unless he's dressed up. He might get a film role while he's there. He might make people cry. (laughs) Well, they're going to be starting that new series on HBO. And they're going to, if they have a Hagrid, they need a new Hagrid because R.I.P. the last one passed away. Work on that British accent, You'd though. Be perfect. <laughs> work on the British accent. Yeah, yeah. I'll you need to, to work on that. I will. He's had I'll a spell on him. He's mute. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's a silent role. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, Wendy has shared with us that she is bringing us a mystery from across the sea, across the pond. Yes. Across the pond. Yes. So, Wendy, why don't you share with us what this mystery is? So, I want to take you back to 1974. Okay. 
to an aristocrat called Lord Lucan. Okay. Have you heard of Lord Lucan? I've heard of a Lord Lucan, but I don't think it's <laughs> I don't way think it's the same Lord, Lord Lucan. <laughs> I think your Lord Lucan is from a long time before. Yes, during the Great Irish Potato Famine, way before the 70s. <laughs> I noticed, though, there were quite a few Lord Lucans. There are quite a few because the title passes down through families. Okay. Recycle. Yes. <laughs> so Lord Lucan lived in London. He was originally a banker, and then he had a gambling addiction. So during one of his gambling nights out, he earned 10 times his salary in one night Oh my! from playing cards. So he decided, I don't think I want to be a banker anymore. This is more fun. <laughs> so instead, he joined many other very rich people in London and basically just used to go to gentlemen's clubs most evenings and gamble. Oh. And during... Being there, through a friend of his, he met his wife, <laughs> Veronica, and she used to go with him. And when Veronica went, she had to sit at what's called the widow's bench. And I don't know whether you have that term here. We here get mm. cricket widows, for example, in England, where all the men go out and play and the ladies are just left behind. <laughs> On a bench. <laughs> yeah, so it's called like the widow's seat or the widow's bench. <laughs> so she basically wasn't allowed to go near the tables where he was playing. She could accompany him, but she was told, you have to stay out here and sit here. Oh, boy. Where the ladies sit. You don't come inside. This is a men's club. How rude. How would you deal with that today? (laughs) I mean, I don't imagine my husband would be going there very often. (laughs) He seems a lot smarter than that. (laughs) But then it was quite common. In fact, a lot of the clubs didn't let women in at all. So, But she was actually allowed in. But as you can imagine, she got a bit annoyed about it. I would too. Yeah. She got a bit fed up that he was there most nights. And she started to decide she wasn't going to go at all. So she ended up staying at home with her three children. And he would go out gambling, enjoying cocktails with his very rich friends. Mm. There's a quote I found from the New York Times that says (laughs) he was a dashing British aristocrat. She can't do a British accent either. (laughs) A dashing British aristocrat, an army officer known for his prowess of backgammon and bridge and for his fondness of vodka martinis, powerboats and Aston Martin cars, which is like my dream car. I was going to say, didn't you want one? Yeah. (laughs) Not his though. (laughs) (laughs) So his wife ended up staying at home all the time. She got quite depressed. He played on that and basically gaslit her and kept saying she was, you know, losing her mind, kept trying to have her sectioned, was a nasty man to her. So nine years after they got married, they split up. Oh, wow. I didn't know they did that back then. Yeah. Hmm. It wasn't as common then. Okay. But this is like late 70s. Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm so used to dealing with... The far back history. I'm like, oh, wait, we're not that far away. <laughs> yeah, well, he moved out and went to live somewhere else because they just couldn't be together anymore. It was too toxic for them both. Mm. The money he was making, though, 
Give me that alimony. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine that none of that money was declared anywhere. Oh, so yeah. I'm guessing if you looked at his tax return, he didn't earn anything. <laughs> because in England, you don't tax gambling winnings. Oh, wow. So it's not declared anywhere. Mm. Shoot, here it's almost 50%. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, no tax. So not on his tax return. So no chance of her getting her hands on any of the money. Um. So... Anyway, the relationship had broken down. She got a nanny in the house to help her with the children because she was struggling and she was depressed. And he was worried he wasn't going to see his children anymore. And this is where the beginning of the mystery comes in. So one night he enters the house where she lives and the nanny is there. He goes down into the basement where the nanny is and he bludgeons her. What? With a lead pipe. Oh my. That escalated quickly. Right. I was not expecting it that soon. And he puts her body in a US mailbag for some reason. No Mm. idea why it's a US mailbag. Where'd that come from? But that's how Veronica, when she goes down to the basement, then finds the nanny's body. Unfortunately for Veronica, his wife, he's still in the basement. Oh, God. Mm. So he also attacks her with a lead Mm. pipe as well. But she manages to get hold of him, twist his testicles, <laughs> get a girl. and get and he runs away. Good for her. So Hold she's on a left. minute. Hold on a minute. Was he without pants? Like, how in the crap did she get a hold of his testicles? It ain't hard. She just grabbed <laughs> and squeezed Grab and real hard. Good, good for her for thinking that. Like, if a man walked out on me, I guess, to start hitting me with a pipe. I guess my mind would not be going, oh, I need to grab and squeeze his testicles. That's how I find dates. I think as a, <laughs> I think as a woman, our automatic reaction is that's where you hit a man. Oh, okay. yeah. Okay. That's mine, and too. And I think that's what we're taught is, sure. you know, if they attack you, the easiest place to get hold of a man where it's going to really hurt. And that's their Eyes and area. testes. So I guess maybe hit her on the head. She's down on the floor. She sure. grabs. And even three trousers. Sure. Mm-hmm. She got a hold of him. She Not got a hold today. of him. He ran. <laughs> now, it's believed at this point that actually he meant to attack her and didn't know the nanny was there. Oh. Mm. And so he was then surprised when he saw her because he thought he'd killed her. Oh, God. And not the nanny. What are you doing here? So either the lighting was dim or she looked a lot like the nanny. Well, it was in the basement. Sure. So possibly no lighting sure. or very dim lighting. Sure. So she goes to a pub, a public house, covered in blood. Help me. I've been attacked. I think it was my ex-husband, blah, blah, blah. These people rush in to find this body in the mailbag. He's fled. I mean, he claims he didn't do it. He arrives at (laughs) But his black testicles said otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) He borrows a car, travels 42 miles to his friend's house. He turns up there and he tells her, you know, my ex-wife's gone crazy. She thinks I've hired a killer. You know, I just need to hide out for a few days. Mm-hmm. The next morning he's gone. And no one has ever seen him since. Oh, wow. Mm. Well, innocent people don't just disappear like this when they're accused of a murder. Mm-hmm. And three days later, the car that he was in is found abandoned near his friend's house. And in the trunk, they find a piece of lead piping. Oh. And blood. Mm. 
He is on an island somewhere spending that gambling money. <laughs> and that is one of the theories. <laughs> there are many theories. His wife believes that he got on a ferry and that he deliberately jumped off into the propellers so that he would be gone. Oh. Mm. Another theory is that his friend had a private zoo. At the time in England, you were allowed to keep mad animals, as I think you were in America. Mm -hmm. So his friend had a private zoo with a lot of tigers. So one of the theories is he shot himself and his friend fed into the tigers to get rid of the body. Carol Baskins. <laughs> exactly that. His friend said that didn't happen. Mm -hmm. But then he would say that. Right. What the police think, and probably what I think, is that his friends, he had very wealthy friends. They had private yachts. They had private boats. They had private planes that they probably just helped him leave the country. Sure. And that he went and lived his life somewhere else as somebody else. Oh, yes. And I believe there's been at least 70 sightings of him across the world. Oh, heavens. But none that have been verified. Of course. And those sightings, what countries are they happening in? So the biggest theory is that he ended up in South Africa. Mm -hmm. And from there he went to Thailand, New Zealand, Australia. But if you read up on it, there has been sightings like everywhere you could imagine in the world. He's been on some Buddhist camp somewhere. He's been in a retreat in Thailand. He's been in the outback of Australia. Jesus, you traveled so much, you've probably run across them and haven't even known <laughs> yeah, it. Probably, probably been on a tour with him. Right. <laughs> right. Safari. <laughs> but yeah, nobody's ever seen him since. He was convicted of the murder without mm. being there a year later. Oh. He was the last person convicted in that way in England. Wow. Yeah, I've never heard of that and without being there. He was declared dead a few years ago, eventually. Because no one's seen him, or nobody claims to have seen him. Like, none of his friends have come forward and said, actually, what happened is... <laughs> <laughs> He's been at my chalet. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. But because his friends had all these houses overseas and all sorts of things, you know, I imagine it would be quite easy to hide him for a long time. Now, in England, is it against the law for his friends to help him flee? Yes. Okay, because that would be against the law here. But also, his friends are quite wealthy. His friends are well connected. Right. Depending on what their His title friends may was. Have backhanded people. <laughs> I mean, we have to bear in mind that the people they knew and who were drinking and gambling together were probably also all the law enforcement at that time. So, sure. yeah, it is illegal. Sure. So, what was his exact motive? Is it believed for him to want to kill his wife? There was issues between him and his wife, and he believed that she was going to stop him seeing the children. Oh. And so in order to prevent that and also stop her claiming any of his estate, I guess he just thought it'd be easier to get rid of her mm. because she was causing him some trouble. And so it was easier to just, let's get rid. Then we don't have to think about it. We mm. can all just move on. No one will know it was me. See, people don't think things through because in an effort to make sure he sees his children, he ends up never seeing his children again. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah, I wonder what he was going to do with her body in order to get away with this. Mail it. Well, I guess he'd already borrowed the car. So presumably it was put it in the bag and go and dump it at sea or something and hope nobody ever finds it. Mm. I mean, there was a theory that he filled his own trousers with rocks and jumped into the sea. So maybe that was his plan. I mean, just to fill the sack with rocks and dump it somewhere so yeah. that 
I don't know. Yeah, it's so curious why it was a U.S. mailbag. Yeah. And where in the hell did it come from? Yeah. I mean, he had to have gotten it sent to him for this purpose, clearly. Well, again, I don't know what things his friends were involved in, but they mm. could have had, Yeah, you know, they could have had companies where they were having stuff shipped and he happened to have got it from there. Yeah. It could also be that somebody made that fact up. Who knows? Right. <laughs> Little conspiracy theorists. Yes. Maybe it was a UK mailbag and other people said, oh, it's a US mailbag. <laughs> that sounds more interesting. Right. Right. Because yeah, the problem that you guys have in the UK is that you don't have as good of access to case information as what we can get here in the US. Oh, no. Yeah. So I know that we have had that problem when we have looked at doing series on cases for the UK. Like we can't just send out a Freedom of Information Act like we can do here to get a lot of details. <laughs> oh, I never even thought about that. No, yeah. and also a lot of things are not transcribed. So I know, for example, when my aunt was murdered and we were talking about, should we get the transcripts from the trial? And they were saying, yeah, but if you want them, you pay for them. We're not going to transcribe them otherwise. Mm-hmm. And it was tens of thousands of pounds. Heavens. And so, it, you know, it's just not what's being done and definitely not around this time. You know, in the 70s, there was even less information available. And yeah, we just don't have access like you have over here. And even when your aunt's murder case was solved, you couldn't get access to any of the case files or anything, could you? No. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's bizarre. Well, here. we managed to get hold of some information through a TV company. Right. After they decided to do a documentary on it. Yeah. And they had yeah. to get special permission from the police and everything. And then we were able to, off the back of that, get some information. But it's really hard to get any information. Yeah. You can go to some archives directly and actually go and sit in there and get some information, but to just get it sent out, no. Would you like to come home from a long day of socializing and have your week's worth of meals waiting for you at your door? All the ingredients are farm fresh, cold, and healthy for you and your family. If you said yes, then you should try HelloFresh. When Shane and I finish trying to solve another mystery, the last thing we want to do when we get to our homes is to go back out to the grocery store, try to fight the crowds of people, and figure out what sounds good for dinner. Thanks to HelloFresh's pre-portioned ingredients, we get to spend our summer finding more mysteries and less time meal planning and prepping. I am learning that in my 30s, I just can't eat like I'm 20 anymore. HelloFresh has helped me take control of my diet and in the most delicious way. There will be no mystery when you start using their easy recipe cards with pictures for us visual learners. And you can choose from their 40 plus summer recipes and find something for everyone in your home. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Mystery16 and use code Mystery16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Mystery16 and use code Mystery16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. And try HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit.
Reality and the supernatural collide when an expert puzzle maker is thrust into an ancient mystery, one with explosive consequences for the fate of humanity. In this suspenseful thriller, The Puzzle Master is the new novel from the New York Times bestselling author of Angelology, Solve the Puzzle, Save the World. Masterfully weaves thrills, international intrigue, fascinating history, and the supernatural. Once a promising Midwestern football star, Mike Brink was transformed by a traumatic brain injury that caused a rare medical condition, acquired savant syndrome. The injury left him with a mental superpower. He can solve puzzles, calculate equations, and see patterns in ways ordinary people can't. But his condition has also left him deeply isolated, unable to fully connect with other people. The quest takes Brink through a series of interlocking enigmas, but the heart of the mystery is the God Puzzle, a cryptic ancient prayer circle created by the 13th century Jewish mystic Abraham Abolafia. As Brink navigates a maze of clues and his emotional entanglement with Price becomes more intense, he realizes that there are powerful forces at work that he cannot escape. Ranging from an upstate New York women's prison to 19th century Prague, to the secret rooms of the Piermont Morgan Library, The Puzzle Master is a tantalizing, addictive thriller in which humankind, technology, and the future of the universe itself are at stake. With the help from Real Puzzle Masters, Will Shorts, editor of the New York Times Puzzle Section, gave Danielle invaluable information about the life of a puzzle master and invited her to his puzzle library, Puzzles in the Book, by Brendan Emmett Quigley, a regular contributor to the New York Times Puzzle Page and Hua Wei Huang, World Puzzle Champion. The Puzzle Master is available everywhere books are sold. Why do you think they make it so difficult to get a hold of that kind of thing? I don't know. I guess maybe it's something to do with people looking into these cases and trying <laughs> to see if something was done wrong. Possibly. I don't know. It's just a need to know type of situation. You don't need it. Yeah, maybe it is that because you do have a lot more freedom of information generally in the US compared to us. Maybe it's something to do with that. Well, here we wouldn't even have to look. The press would do it for us. Yeah, I mean, the press and the other problem, of course, is the press report what they want to report. Right. So a lot of the tabloids pick up something completely yeah. different to other, <laughs> now, other newspapers. I do think that there is an extreme, like, it is great to be able to get access to murder case information, but there is an extreme version of it, in my opinion. For example, when I had gone recently to the Judd's concert, one of the things that was in the headlines was that Ashley Judd was trying to prevent the media from getting a hold of photos of their mom committing suicide. The media felt like they should be able to access through the freedom of information within Kentucky to get access to the photos. Of the scene afterwards. Yeah. Which, it's a suicide. There's no one ever suggesting that it's anything other than that. Yeah. Right. So, 
why anyone would need those photos. They're clearly, it's a celebrity, so that's why they want them. Yeah. Right. So Ashley was trying to do a lot of work to try to prevent the media from getting a hold of them. Good. So, yeah, exactly. That, that's what my thought is. Like, And even more than that, I'm glad that Ashley's taking that stance and trying to prevent that. But I think that should be across the board. You wouldn't want your aunt's photo plastered across the tabloids in the UK when you guys were experiencing that from her death, you know, from that no. awful scene. That would have so, been horrible. One documentary that was done on my aunt's murder in England, they did show one photo of the scene that was released by the police. But you couldn't see her because she was, the way she was left was under loads of clothes on a bed. Mm hmm. You could just see the bundle of clothes, so it just looked like a really messy room. Okay. You wouldn't know, unless you read the rest of the story, there was a body under there. Right. It wasn't a picture of her face or anything like that. Nothing like that has ever been released in England. Yeah. Because they don't release it. And just to talk a little bit about your aunt, because Mr. Inc. listeners are going to be like, oh my what gosh, happened? what are they, are they oh, talking yeah. about? <laughs> so Wendy's aunt was murdered in the UK, and we covered it in a series on foul play. You should definitely go listen. Wendy spent a lot of time researching and writing this. It's fantastic. It's, yes, it's several episodes long. It has a lot of interviews from not only detectives, but people who are in her family and who were friends with her aunt. And Wendy not only wrote the series, but she narrates the entire series. So it's a very powerful series, and it gives you the standpoint of what it's like being in the family's foot and experiencing the things that they experienced and also not knowing who killed your loved one and having a lot of questions. But just to talk for a little bit about what happened, because we kind of just given them little puzzle pieces. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Wendy, can you just explain just a little overview of what happened to your aunt? Yeah, so 15 years ago, so 2007. Yeah. My aunt was found murdered at her house. And initially it was thought that her ex-husband was the culprit and that he'd done it for money because even though they were divorced, which, by the way, we only found out after she was <laughs> murdered, even though they'd been divorced about 20 years. Yeah, they didn't have children. Your whole family just thought that they were married, living together. Yeah, they'd right? come to events and he would come with her. Right. And nobody at any point mentioned they weren't married anymore. We only found this out. Not only are they divorced after she died, but he's got another family and two children. Yeah. That she knew about. That she knew about. Yeah. But we didn't know about. Nobody knew anything about it. <laughs> but she also, her will had been rewritten after they split up mm -hmm. to still leave everything to him in the event of her death. Oh, wow. So it's believed that he got into some trouble in, he used to spend a lot of time in Thailand. Don't ask me what he was doing. <laughs> I think it's better we none of us know this. Right. <laughs> and this was initially believed that he murdered her for the money that was he would inherit from her mm -hmm. and from the house that she was still living in. And then as the police investigation went on, it transpired that actually he'd paid a hitman, an English guy living in Thailand, to come to England and murder my aunt. And this guy, he'd put up at his own mum's house. Right. That was just crazy. <laughs> but apparently he didn't know the man. Yeah. And you had described 
the way that your aunt was found and the pictures. Yes. So your aunt was tied up, right? She was tied up with electrical cord that they believe came from her own house. Right. And duct tape. And a tourniquet had been made around her neck that had been tightened using a brass magnifying glass that had been used to make a tourniquet right. around her neck to strangle her. And then to try and conceal the exact time and date of death, she was laid out on her bed fully clothed and they had covered her with basically all of her clothes and mm-hmm. blankets and duvets and everything from her bedroom all on top of her Yeah, to try and make sure that it was very difficult to determine time of death. Yeah. And to make matters a little bit worse for police, they're going into that scene and her house had a lot of stuff in it. Right. Yeah. She was a bit of a hoarder. Yeah. So the police, I mean, I can't imagine walking into a scene like that. And then you're trying to do a death investigation, trying to figure out what's out of place, what's been misplaced. And then there's a lot of stuff everywhere. And I remember one of the things that you put in the series was that they kept finding old business cards of yours and they would call yeah. and they would be like, hey, who is this? And you're like, oh, it's another one of my cards. Yeah. <laughs> so I had various businesses over the years, had different company names. She'd kept every single piece of paper I think she'd ever been given. Oh, God. <laughs> there were wall-to-wall filing cabinets in one room in her house. The police went through every single piece of paper and every single filing cabinet Rang every single number. Oh my gosh. Many of which were me. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, it's me again. Yeah. And kept saying, who is this? It's me again. You've already called me like five times with different businesses. (laughs) Yeah. Thousands upon thousands of pieces of paper that I think, I can't remember how many filing cabinets there were, but the police took them away and had a whole room in the police station where they just had her filing cabinets. Oh my gosh. And they went through every single piece of paper in them. And the hitman had a world record that dealt with swimming, right? Yeah, underwater swimming. He still has the underwater swimming world record in the Guinness Book of Records. Like, it's just out of a movie, isn't it? Like, the entire scenario. I remember reading the script and just thinking it just kept getting weirder and weirder and weirder. Yeah, it's one of those things where you think, this is like something you'd see on a TV show and go, this is not real. Like. Who made this up? Especially right. letting him stay at his mother's house. Like, yeah. here, mom, I have a friend coming. Yeah, he got his mother to meet the hitman from the train station and take him back to her house <laughs> where he stayed. And then one day he just went out, murdered my aunt, went back to the house and then got his plane back to Thailand. Oh, my God. And the police, I'd like for you to mention the part that the detective goes to his mom's house and his mom kind of like spilled the bag. Yeah. So there was these two detectives that were with George the whole time. You know, George is her husband. George is her ex-husband, right? Doing loads and loads and loads of interviews. Of course, over a period of weeks, they try and do good cop, bad cop. One of them he thinks is now his mate. So after one of these interviews, he says, oh, you know, can you just drop me off at my mom's house? So the detective's like, yeah, sure. No problem. Drops him off, walks into the lounge, is talking to George's mum, you know. He knows her quite well at this point as well. He's like, hi, how are you? What's been going on? And then in passing, she says something about, oh, what, your friend Paul that stayed here? And I don't know exactly how it came up in conversation, but suddenly it's like, your friend Paul, what, Paul who stayed here? That friend. George is immediately like, no, 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 you're confused, mum. You're confused. Mm -hmm. This is... I don't, no, no, no. You, 
you don't know what you're talking about. Of course, the detective's ears have pricked up and right. he's like, oh, do, you know, what friend's that then? You know, what do you right. mean he stayed here? And then the detective on the original interviews we've got is really funny. He's apparently like tries to excuse himself from the house as quickly as possible right. without any sign that maybe he's alerted to anything. Right. He says he runs out to the car and phones his colleague and he's like, quick, write this down, write this down. <laughs> this is what she's just told me. This leads to this whole investigation where they go into his mum's house with her permission and there's a glass left in the ensuite bathroom that the hitman has used when he stayed there and they're able to take DNA from it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's really clinches that how can we tie all this together? We kind of know they know each other and everything, but how can we tie it together? And this is like the piece of the puzzle they need to finish that puzzle and right. really head down the right route. Right. But it involved an investigation in Thailand. It involved British police having to go and extradite somebody from Thailand. And yeah, you couldn't make it up. It's like something out of the movies. Right. So did it feel good after all this time to write the entire series? Yeah, I think it's one of those things that it got, it was the reason I really got into true crime to start with. Yeah. I became very fascinated by the police investigation. And then I was dubious about covering my own case because it's kind of a hard one to do. Yeah. And then I think it got to 15 years of her anniversary of her death. And I thought, you know what, this would be a really good, good time to do it and tell her story the way that we want it told rather than the way other people will tell it because of what's in the papers. And so to actually be able to tell her story properly. And what was weird is as we were getting ready to release it, what happened to be a coincidence is that it was season 15. Yes. (laughs) 15 years after the murder. Yeah. And then we released it on the 15th anniversary of her murder. It was just how bizarre that it was season 15. Yeah. And that was not planned at all. Yeah, (laughs) I was just, Oh, well, hold on. This is going to be season 15 and it's the 15th anniversary. We released it on the day that she was murdered 15 years later. And I loved hearing from the people who were friends with her and, of course, your family members who could give an insight over what type of personality Sharon had. As someone who has never met her, she seemed like such a fun person. A detective came and knocked on the door. And I said, is it Renee? And he just gave me that solemn look. It was the worst day ever. The Proof Podcast is back with a new case and a new season. 23 years ago, 18-year-old Renee Ramos went missing. Her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town. I don't think that they arrested the right people. It's about time somebody's trying to do something. She had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. I think it's really important when we cover these cases yeah. that we do let people know what the victims were actually like. 
Right. I think it's really important. Right. Because we all know that the hitman, the murderer, whatever, is going to be a horrible person probably. Right. But it's nice to hear what the victim is actually like and hear from actual people who knew them and not just what you've read in a newspaper. Right. Well, that was the entire reason for me starting my first podcast. When I released the podcast in 2014, when I started doing the series, it was because the true crime shows that I was watching on TV and the true crime podcasts that were available at the time, which I think there were two or three, they weren't giving me a long form. And the cases that they were talking about were cases that everyone already knew about. And you were mostly being told about the killer. Yeah. And we knew all the details and it was just very, um, I, I just wasn't interested in that part. So I wanted to know more about the victim behind that person. Mm-hmm. So that's why I wanted to learn more over a series of episodes. So that's why I started doing it. So I'm glad that eventually what happened to your aunt led you to coming to CrimeCon in Nashville and sitting there at the event that Gemma and I had. And, you know, then we ended up having this trip here and. Yeah. Random. Yes, very (laughs) random. And before we end this, I'll have to just share a quick funny story. While we were on our trip, we were charging in the mystery machine in West Virginia. And we stopped at this little gas station and we we let Wendy experience experience America's finest bathrooms along the interstate gas station bathroom yes and wendy was not thrilled with this gas station shall we say it was very disgusting and she would not like to go back it was beyond disgusting (laughs) (laughs) and i've been to some random places and this was you've been to third world countries where you've had to use a open pit i've been to third world countries where I've been in villages where there are no toilets. <laughs> right. And this was worse. And this was cl- worse than that. I've been behind rocks. Yeah. And, and we just, and we just made happened, her throw up. Right. And we just happened to, on the way back, just happened just to charge happened. at that same place. Mm-hmm. And you didn't want to go back. I don't, no, I don't know why. I was going to hold it. You, you, you seriously <laughs> were like, I'd rather hold it. I'll go behind the bush. I think I actually said I'd rather wet myself. Uh, yeah. I'd rather get bladder cancer. Yeah. Than have to use that toilet again. It was rotted. It was. They really just need to tear it down, burn it. It was bad. Well, we went in and just going into the gas station, there was a lady on a substance covered <laughs> in dirt. Just She was a hot mess. Hovered down on the ground, you know, hair a mess and dirty. And I was like, oh. Make sure not to buy anything from this gas station. The men's bathroom wasn't bad for a men's bathroom, though. Well, I mean, it was gross, it, but for a it man. It was bad. See, this is how much like used to Josh and I are with like the American bathrooms along the interstate <laughs> at these nasty bathrooms. Sometimes they're not bad, but this was a nasty one, particular nasty one. And he stopped there twice. You have to learn how to breathe when you go in <laughs> so that the smell doesn't get into your nostrils. Through the mouth. You have to like control your breathing and you, you'll master it eventually. No, the more she you come, she's you know, like, I'm she's, not coming she's back. She's like, I'm never coming back to this country. It's disgusting. <laughs> you come to disgusting. me. Yes. Well, and also I had a mask in my bag, which was a really annoying thing. Cause <laughs> if I'd realized that I could have put it on before I went in the bathroom. 
You I've never heard of a public restroom making someone literally throw up before. Yeah, so and then I was sick down my t-shirt. <laughs> and then Shane laughed at me for about two hours oh for gosh, the rest of the funny. journey. Yes. It'd be quiet and all of a sudden he'd start laughing. Oh, what did you... You threw up! This giggle would start. I, I couldn't help it. But oh. also it was a long car ride, so... It was a long car ride. It was. It was a fun I'd time. I'd still rather have sat in my own way. well and there was a lady in there who was on the phone the entire time oh yeah so one of the cubicles had a lady in who had her phone on speaker the whole time and she was in the toilet (laughs) a long time (laughs) just hearing wendy (laughs) that's what she would have heard in the background eventually yeah now that's so bizarre that is very even you know being someone who has used toilets in america's finest bathrooms People being on their phones. I've seen it. People being on the phone, but yeah. on a speakerphone. No, I've that's seen a it. Special kind of crazy. People with headphones, whatever. This wasn't. Yeah. This was holding it. Speakerphone, loud, <laughs> shouting into it. I could hear everything of the other side of the conversation. And she was in there. I mean, I was in that toilet a long time waiting for those women to come out. <laughs> oh Lord, bless them. No, but don't ever answer the phone if you're on the toilet. No, oh, like can wait five bathroom. minutes. Right. I'd be like, did I just hear a flush? Wash your hands. Jeez. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks, Wendy, for joining Thank us you, and being Wendy. our first guest. Safe travels home. Yes. yes. Listen to my aunt and the Hitman. Yes. yes. Season 15 of Foul Play Crime Series. Yes. Really good. Yes. And her voice is just magical. <laughs> Say water for us. Water. Oh, yeah. Water. Water. Oh. Waters. Water. Shane and Josh Waters. Yeah, correct. Just hearing her speak makes me sound so hillbilly to myself. I'm like, water. Well, I always prefer the English way of saying our last name. Whenever I'm saying, oh, my name's Shane Waters, it sounds like I have a D in the name. Water. water but then I prefer like saying Waters. Waters. Shane Waters. Shane Waters. I do like the Spanish. Josh Aguas. Waters. <laughs> yeah. Shane Waters. Waters. Well, well, Wendy, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Yes. Oh, Mystery Inc. Yes. And if you like the show, make sure you follow us on all the things and do all the things. And at work, Shane and I apologize if we keep sounding British. It's so hard not to do it. <laughs> I know. Well, not all of us sound British when we try to sound British, apparently. No, I'm definitely not Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We'll see you next time. Au revoir. Bye. Bye. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. 
by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.